0: maria chavez is a shaman and a medicine keeper for the traditional wisdom surrounding the ecosystem and also the divine feminine and masculine balance i can't wait to share this podcast with you and introduce you to maria chavez but before we get started the best way to consume this podcast is to grab a bowl of magic spoon cereal it's just like the cereal you had when you were a kid i remember my bowl of Fruit Loops, watching cartoons. It was delicious. It has that sentimental kind of flavor and vibe, but since I realized that most of those cereals are complete bullshit for your metabolic system because of the macronutrients and all the sugar, I just completely stopped eating cereal until Magic Spoon came out with their cereal. Zero grams of sugar, 11 grams of protein, three grams of net carbs in each serving, so it's gonna support your keto lifestyle and it's just delicious it's awesome i particularly like the fruity as i mentioned with my follow your nose toucan sam proclivity but the other ones are great frosted blueberry cocoa it's worth checking them all out getting the sample pack so go to magicspoon.com slash aubrey you can get your variety pack use the promo code aubrey and you'll get free shipping at checkout definitely check this out it's awesome and if you have kids for reals like if you have kids this is the move Hands down, magicspoon.com slash Aubrey. Maria.
1: Aubrey. Hi. <laughs> Hi.
0: So I haven't talked about this on a podcast yet, but since you were kind of interjected at a very key moment for mm-hmm. me in my relationship with my now wife, Ilana, I thought I'd bring it up and, and tell the story. And the story is that, you know, I had been, I'd had really strong feelings for her for a long time. And about nine months before we actually had the space to start seeing each other, I wrote her a letter where I just kind of poured out my heart and expressed everything which has now come to fruition, but everything that I saw in potentiality in our relationship. And she read it and received it, but she wasn't in a place where she was ready to kind of look at it yet. And at that point, you know, I remember I read it to Kyle, who, you know, Mm -hmm. my best friend, and... I read it to him and I had tears in my eyes and I said you know this is the best I can do huh brother and he's like yeah man it's the best you can do I was like all right <clears throat> so at that point when that didn't kind of yield any real material change yet it was I think working <laughs> subterraneally, subterrani- Um, but I really let it go mm-hmm. I let that go and, and sometime very soon after that you were in Austin and I was I remember it really vividly I was sitting around the kitchen counter and we were talking and I was like yeah so you know I did my best and I'm just gonna let it go and you go no you don't you won't do that (laughs) it's like you keep a fucking candle lit Mm -hmm. you keep that candle lit for that possibility and that potentiality and I just started crying again Mm -hmm. there I was like okay because what I was doing is I was removing it from any possibility because that felt safer and that felt more comfortable and that was moving me to the known reality of a sad reality where it wasn't going to work but i was just kind of pushing that out of my mind but in some ways it was denying the possibility of what could actually happen and you just stopped me right there at that moment and i can't help but think that that one little interaction we had in the kitchen definitely um you know helped make this possible
1: Well, thank you so much for reminding me of that story. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I I really believe that as humans we come here with certain, with certain passions, with certain kind of attractions, with certain things that we know that we're meant to be around or people we're meant to be working with or our lovers our partners. We don't always know the the full the totality of of exactly what it's supposed to look like, but we're really clear when we're deeply attracted, mm-hmm. and I think that that is part of our soul kind of GPS of what we're supposed to be doing here. So the beauty of being unattached means we know that there are things that we're drawn to. We don't hundred percent know if they're meant to quote unquote be ours, but we want to keep those candles lit for the things that we believe, you know, are in our future. Mm -hmm. And so to hold that vision at the same time as being unattached is a really profound dance because again, you're not denying and saying, Oh, I can't have that. That's too impossible. That's too unrealistic. She's too good for me or she didn't care or whatever the thing is. Um, the other the other side is that you you hold it with such a closed fist of like this is mine. Smother the flame. <laughs> you smother you smother it. Yeah. And so that that beautiful fine line and it's such an honor as your sister to have been there with you in that moment and and really have felt your heart of like how real and how true this love is for this woman um, and I just was impossible for me to allow you <laughs> yeah. to extinguish that flame I, completely. I appreciate that.
0: Mm-hmm. And another thing you mentioned is something about how each individual has certain like a matrix of codes a matrix mm-hmm. of codes and another person has a matrix of codes mm-hmm. and sometimes those codes can unlock each other in really unique ways which yes. can allow the fruition of certain lessons certain life past certain accomplishments of aspects of your purpose or your dharma your mission Mm -hmm. and that that was a really interesting discussion for me because i never really looked at it in that way i always thought there was kind of matching attributes things like that but explain what you were kind of mentioning to me about how the codes can unlock between individuals
1: yeah, well, it, it's very similar to Daniel Schmachtenberger talks often about the, the theory of emergence. Essentially, that emergence is the most scientifically admissible term for magic, which means that two things can come together that didn't have a certain capacity. And then together, they have that capacity. So he uses the example of respiration, right? Two cells come together that don't respirate. And then once they, they kind of unite, there is the ability for respiration. Well, where did that come from? You know, it's this really powerful. False synergy between the information, the coding of both of those cells. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that same for humans, that we each have our really unique codes, if we want to use that word, or information. And then once we come together with somebody who has a very synergistic set of, of information or coding, something new is born. Something yeah. that wasn't there before is born, and that is evolution. Yeah. And holy moly, if we're not here for evolution, what are we here for?
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, interesting to me is that, you know, you look back on all the relationships and they taught you something in mm-hmm. some kind of interesting way. Mm-hmm. And so, it seems like there's certain codes that are actually accessing trauma to mm-hmm. a certain degree. And I, you know, I was on here with my friend Aaron Alexander and he was talking about how sometimes we go to experience mm-hmm. trauma because it's kind of like the needle that lances a bubble that's inside us by re-accessing that same thing it makes us aware of it and gives us a chance to actually heal it so if we had trauma in our you know with our parents we might try to replicate that in a relationship but why and in his theory was the why is that that's actually getting us access to a sealed pocket of trauma that we have so from that perspective it might all be productive as long as we have the awareness of what we're doing
1: exactly and that's the difference i will share is do we have the awareness because there is such a thing as trauma bonding and the reality is if people don't have the emotional intelligence or the capacity to you know walk themselves out of that loop then it just stays a big
0: it actually enhances the Mm -hmm. bubble exactly
1: so there there are situations that's why i you know the, the conversations are getting more and more prevalent around, um, you know, being in basically cutting toxic people out of your life or getting really clear when a pattern doesn't work for you. And I think that that's, that's really true, meaning that if a pattern doesn't work for you, it's totally fine to, to step away from it. Um, the reality for me is that each person comes, we, we come together basically, or two people come together as teachers for each other. Mm-hmm. and what do we what are we learning basically at the no. end of the day that's actually up to us we can take away a whole variety of different type of lessons you know the lesson could be well i'm just not available for that type of interaction anymore or the lesson which i believe is a slightly emotionally more you know mature way is okay why what is my side of the dance that's creating that particular pattern Mm -hmm. and how can i shift it so that i don't experience that pattern with that person or any other person like them right and that's a really exciting place to be where you don't have to just run away or exile certain people from your life and again we want to make caveats if somebody's being very abusive or there's any sort of physical you know unsafety in the space of course you know take your space Mm. but usually we're talking about emotional patterns and triggers that we don't want to feel a certain way and so we kind of remove the person because they're the cause versus there's something in us wounding in us that's allowing us to feel a certain way with that person as the character in our movie
0: reminds me of the the quote that says no one is doing anything to anyone without their permission Mm -hmm. right like this person may be activating something but we're in some way allowing it fueling it you know it's accessing some pain body that we have and we're staying in it if we are staying in it for some other reason but awareness is kind of the sunlight that illuminates all of the murky shadows of what's going on In our psyche that we may not be aware of
1: absolutely so we can choose to again run away because somebody's poking our pain body Mm -hmm. or we can really sit with what is the true resolution to calm and heal that pain body yeah
0: so let's say now in the case that we do have that awareness Sometimes we might have the awareness, but we might be a little stuck. Mm-hmm. Might be like, "Ugh, it's just really hard." This pattern is there, mm-hmm. and they've kind of gotten their hooks into some ego. And again, not any blame on anybody who's hooked anybody. We all hook each other, you know. Like we're massive hook slinging. We're like wild fishermen who are blind and just swinging our fly fishing rod around and just seeing what we catch. You know, I think it's rare that there's someone who's intentionally playing that role of the, you know, malicious seducer mm-hmm. who's really trying to hook someone. I'm sure there's examples of that, but most of the time we're just doing it in ignorance, you know, ignorance of what we're actually doing. But let's say we do become aware of it then, and we do want to move beyond that. It's the term cord cutting Mm -hmm. is like really, you know, popular now in certain circles. And so what, what in your, in, you know, in your kind of experience and understanding is how do we extricate ourselves from these challenging situations? And then what is that kind of cord cutting ceremony ritual Mm -hmm. thought pattern thought construct that we can use to actually give us some space
1: well that's a complex question and a beautiful one thank you for asking I actually i'm loving that my i don't know if we can see on the on the camera but that my little mug here says home and it has a heart (laughs) and the the basis for for all of these kind of murky situations to me on a very simplistic level is that we have allowed our energy to begin to go other places. Our right. energy, our attention and awareness is starting to just disperse. And if somebody is living on the other side of the world that you have uh, this kind of hook or connection with, you're l- which is not physical, but basically let's think of it in this moment as physical, energy, attention, awareness is over there and it's not here anymore. Excuse me. It's yeah. not here anymore. It's not. It's not with you. So I do this process with people often, which I call essentially coming home. Which is calling all of your energy, your attention, and your awareness back to yourself. And you close your eyes. Because where your attention is, your energy is. Exactly. beautiful so to close your eyes you know really connect to your dantian or your womb the kind of base of of uh, where your life force lives that beautiful fire Mm -hmm. of your soul and And, explain
0: to people what the dantian is and where it is so that if people want to do this actually why don't you guide us through this thing because i'm sure there's all kinds of places where our energy is why don't you guide us through a little a little experience like a guided experience of coming home
1: I love this, (laughs) hallelujah. Okay, so I'm gonna invite us to go ahead and close our eyes. Begin to connect to our breath. Bringing all of our energy, our attention, and our awareness back to ourselves now. Bringing your full focus to your breath. Nice deep inhales. And really beautiful exhales. Inviting us to begin to bring our awareness to the base of our spine, right where our body meets the seat. Feeling ourselves deeply rooted, deeply connected to the chair, to the earth, wherever we're sitting. And inviting us in this moment to begin to visualize some roots coming down from the base of our spine, going deep, deep down into the earth and far and wide on all sides. Feeling deeply grounded, anchored, rooted. Beginning to pull up the nourishment, the water from the earth, from the soil. I'm feeling it begin to come into the trunk of our tree. And right above our root and our sexual organs. There's a little bowl. For the women, this is the area where the womb is. This beautiful little bowl right here at the base of our spine is where this flame lives. this life force, this ball of chi that we can fuel, flame, and tend to. you're feeling the warmth in your body as you begin to grow this ball of chi. And we're going to start to direct that energy up our spine to our solar plexus to our heart to our throat to our third eye up through our crown We're going to feel that channel That column of light going up, 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 into the sky. Up to meet the universal mind, the Akashic records, the all that is. This is our higher self. A part of us that knows so much more than our small human self knows. As we bring that information, codes and rays from the sun back down, gonna invite us to land back in our hearts Feeling that deep connection to Mother Earth, to Father Sky, and to our own internal flame that burns within. Connecting to our heart, which connects to all hearts. Finishing with beautiful focus on love, Gratitude, compassion, peace, joy, abundance for all. Mm. Thank you.
0: <laughs> that was great. It's interesting. It, it's, uh, instead of focusing so much on the places where the energy has gone, it's really mm-hmm. just focusing, like said, on home. Yes. And if you really focus on home and just understand where you are grounded to the earth, connected to this, to the ether, to the universal yeah. mind, to the divine and you find yourself home Mm -hmm. and all of these other things naturally just draw in because that's where your focus is your focus is back home so instead of worrying about pulling energy away from all of these Mm -hmm. other people which is initially where my mind went okay Mm -hmm. well i got some attention over here Mm -hmm. on you know this person who hasn't hit me back in a week and Mm -hmm. this person who's doing this or whatever else it might be it's just like okay or just focus on home Mm -hmm. and naturally that attention will draw back into the center absolutely yeah. That,
1: to me, is the the most immediate way. You know, yeah. we can definitely do longer processes always. Um, and it is sometimes helpful to go very specifically through your relationships or through things that are, um, you know, that are causing a little bit of, of dis-ease, you know, psychically, yeah. emotionally, spiritually. But at the end of the day, we all have moments where, throughout the day, where we're scattered or we are distracted or we're not fully present. And I actually really feel the moment-by-moment, um, basically, I believe that that um, enlightenment is a moment by moment experience. Yeah. It's a moment by moment choice, and that moment by moment choice is coming back to the present moment yeah. and focusing on love. You know, being right here, right now, and moving from love over fear. And so, we want to bring ourselves home as many times a day as it takes. Mm-hmm. And in the in that way, we will again naturally stop focusing so much on things that are not supporting us.
0: So. In that, if you are, if you are, if you do find yourself obsessing Mm -hmm. over some current situation, the lesson here is to just take the time, as you said, as many times a day as you can to just go home, like be home, be with yourself, come home. Mm -hmm.
1: Another great just um, exercise or body of work is actually The Work, Byron Katie's The Work. And I won't go too in detail in it, but it's a really great set of exercises essentially to analyze if what how you're thinking about something is really quote unquote true. Like, is that really the truth? Again, oftentimes we're obsessing about a situation because we've created a narrative that is painful for us because somehow it's a story of separation. And so is that really true? The way that we're looking at the situation is oftentimes influencing how we feel about it emotionally. And when we can look at it with fresh eyes, And and a more rational, because again, most of us, our pain bodies create irrational ways of looking at things. No doubt. So when we come back to the rational, or to the eagle eye perspective, or to the Christ consciousness, uh, divine, you know, feminine, Mother Mary, whatever we want to call it, this like one beating heart way of of looking at things, we realize that there's no there's no suffering here. You know, there's actually no separation here. It's really just the way that we're looking at the situation.
0: I remember some of my most challenging times in relationship I would I got in the practice and I just kind of got this download to ask the question what is true what is true what Mm -hmm. is true and I think that always came when I was the most centered so after a meditation I was able to connect and understand that and I would just typically write sometimes it felt like I was even channeling the answers like truth would just come in but asking that three times what is true what is true what Mm -hmm. is true and then you see your stories which are these scaffolds that you've created to you know access a certain emotion that you mm-hmm. may not even be beneficial typically isn't beneficial to you but yeah. we're trying to access some painful reality for whatever reason and asking what is true what is true what is true then you start to see mm. beyond it and you see the love that's there you see the reality of what's actually there yeah and then you may have that now it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy you'll be able to say that oh i figured it out yeah. I know i'm not going to have any emotional cords or anything that's that's drawing me drawing my attention it's a practice
1: It's a practice,
0: but at least knowing what's true and like writing it down. That's like some solid ground that you mm-hmm. can come back on.
1: And that's the, the pattern of, of rewiring or one of the, the access points to rewiring sober, right, without mm-hmm. any plant medicines or anything else, is to really identify where are narratives coming from a disempowering place or a, an untrue place, an irrational place, a, a pain-bodied place. Um, and so again, writing down journaling is so powerful to write down, like, what is the narrative that I have about this person or this relationship relationship writing it down and then as you said or or, or a slight um kind of variance on what you said asking yourself is that true Mm -hmm. and then writing from there Mm -hmm. okay all right if that's not now okay if that's not true what is true right and then i like the the question i ask myself often is okay now what's even truer than that (laughs) (laughs) oh so how far down can we get down to the basis of what's actually true in the situation and usually again it has nothing to do with the other person Mm -hmm. it has to do with the fact that a little part of ourselves is feeling scared you know or is feeling lost or is feeling um abandoned and so how can we show up for ourselves in that moment give ourselves the love that we need you know go into nature sit down allow the earth to hold us hug a tree i mean these are like sound like such silly things but they really to me are the foundational pieces of feeling deeply safe and deeply held here
0: yeah that's such a valuable practice no matter what to get down to the kernel of your raw emotion Mm. rather than all the stories that we layer on top of it i mean Mm. the brain is so fast in creating stories and it'll do it with whatever flimsy material it can can it'll draw in evidence and turn evidence into two by fours and rebar and all of a sudden we have this structure that looks solid and impenetrable like a giant tower but it's all made of nonsense. <laughs> it's just complete nonsense. And if we get back down to the truth of like what caused us to build that tower, it is something very simple. Mm-hmm. I'm scared. I don't mm-hmm. feel like I'm enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm what I'm angry, mm-hmm. you know, and and which is usually covering some hurt, you know. Mm-hmm. And then like we start to get down to those. And then from there we can really understand ourselves. And then all of the things that we thought were solid, these scaffolds are like, oh yeah, that was <laughs> it's not really that solid after all. Yeah,
1: it's not really that solid. No, it's
0: not really that solid. <laughs>
1: Which is actually why I call um, the program that I've been working on, calling it Metaphor- Metamorphosis. But I essentially say it's it's supporting people to build a more solid spiritual house.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, because again, a lot of us don't even realize because we're functioning that our kind of the house that we've built for ourselves spiritually, emotionally. Um, even mentally, is, is, again, quite flimsy. Yeah, And so getting down, that's why a lot of the work uh, with the plant medicines and other type of really amazing work is, is to excavate, is to really kind of get down, look at the foundation mm-hmm. <laughs> of the house that you're living in, and see is are things rotting down there you know what's Mm -hmm. going on clean out the cobwebs and relay that foundation and create something for yourself that feels a lot more uh sturdy because in these times as we know shit's crazy right like Mm -hmm. things it feels like the sky is falling in a lot of moments and if we don't have a really solid foundation and and as i say spiritual house within ourselves it's going to be that much more bumpy
0: no doubt Mm -hmm. i mean when the winds of the collective blow then the strength of our home Mm -hmm. is going to really be revealed and Mm -hmm. if there's cracks in the foundation those are going to come up yeah you know no doubt so i have to say that i think that the mineral electrolytes product that we came out with at onnit is probably one of the most underrated products we have now there's a lot of different things that are out there for hydration, but nothing is as good as the Onnit mineral electrolytes. The way that we chose each of the different minerals that we use, all of the electrolytes from calcium, magnesium, potassium and sodium bicarbonate, it's perfect. We actually included palatinose, which is a slower carbohydrate to give you that fuel but not too much, not too much sugar in there at all. So it's just the perfect thing when you wake up in the morning, you know, I've added it to my morning mineral cocktail many many mornings and also every time i work out if i can have the mineral electrolytes i know that i'm replenishing everything that i'm losing from all of my sweat so i really encourage you guys to check it out uh go to onnit.com slash aubrey and you'll save 10 on anything but this week we're actually having a 30 percent off sale on the mineral electrolytes so it's even more incentive to get out there and try mineral electrolytes and Forget about all those other sports drinks, by the way, like Gatorade, Powerade. I mean, fun, but not good for you. (laughs) So whether you're drinking mineral electrolytes or making your own sea salt and lemon and whatever else you're doing, just put those other sports drinks, and I say sports with quotations, like put those away because those are silly and, uh, and get something for adults. Love. You mentioned, you know, plant medicine and medicines in general Um, just to give people context you've been involved in facilitating and participating in if you were to guesstimate uh, a number of of particularly five meo ceremonies five meo dmt ceremonies how many would you say you've been involved in
1: I mean, I've so lost count at this point, but definitely in the thousands at this point. I mean, across all of the different medicines for the last 10 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, give
0: us, for the people who are not aware of what 5-MeO-DMT is and how it's different than ayahuasca and, you know, NN-DMT, which is the other molecule, if you want to give people like a brief kind of synopsis of what this medicine is and and then I'll talk about some of my experiences, and we'll talk about some of the things that you've experienced and witnessed as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, again, just to give that little bit of context, if we haven't already, that I used to run the therapeutic department at a clinic in Mexico, and we basically introduced the first combination of ibogaine for addiction, with followed by a 5-MeO-DMT ceremony, which comes from or came from at that, at that particular time, the bufo, which is the bufo alvarius or the Colorado River toad. So it's very commonly known as the toad, uh-huh. um, which is an important distinction because, again, people oftentimes say DMT. They don't realize that there's NDMT and 5-MeO-DMT. They also don't realize that within the category of 5-MeO-DMT, there can be different sources. So it can come from a synthetic, can come from a floral, or it can come from, again, this, which is the toad. Yeah. So this particular medicine, that we were working with in Mexico, which comes from the Sonoran Desert, right there in that area. Hermosillo is was kind of the hub uh, for us of, of where the the medicine was being harvested for the clinic. Mm-hmm. And um, it's essentially known as the God molecule or the breath of God. So very different than NNDMT, which is incredibly- Which visual. sounds like
0: hyperbole, but I will assure you, <laughs> if you do it, it does no longer seem like hyperbole. It's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. It's really interesting.
1: It really is. Um, the toad lives underground, or the toads, plural, <laughs> live underground nine months out of the year. And they only come out in the rainy season where the water literally pushes them to the surface. And so the majority of their lives, they're hibernating or meditating underground. And so that their access to the God consciousness, to the no mind, is more profound than almost anything i've ever experienced
0: i mean they already got a leg up being a toad (laughs) who's not self-aware in the way that we are that can drive us into separation into the illusion the maya of separation that's a that's one advantage but Mm -hmm. then you know actually being in that i mean it's hard to even fathom what that kind of situation is like where you could be underground not eating Mm -hmm. not drinking Mm -hmm. not doing anything For nine months Mm -hmm. you know hibernation is something that's like doesn't even compute yeah you know i mean yeah we understand sleeping Mm -hmm. this is like this is something this is something far different
1: yeah yeah i remember a friend telling me many 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 years ago again before this was a a popular conversation the very first conversation i ever even had about the toad over a decade ago and a friend was telling me that that he believes that when they're under there they're basically popping they're like um transporting themselves you know and popping in and out of black holes in the universe because what else would you do <laughs> if you were just underground for yeah. 9 months <laughs> you would be experimenting with you know with throwing your consciousness around the entire cosmos right so that's essentially what the or experience is
0: just being the cosmos yes exactly in general. exactly all octaves, exactly all expressions exactly exactly so for me the the experience between the two because i've done N,N-DMT, which is usually extracted from mimosa Mm -hmm. and the the mimosa stillus is a what is it like a shrub it's isn't it a shrub yeah Yeah, kind of a shrub and um so that has been probably what i'm most familiar with it's also the same type of dmt that's Mm -hmm. in ayahuasca Mm -hmm. from the chacruna leaves Mm -hmm. and the opaya and the wambisa or whatever Mm -hmm. they're actually extracting uh typically chacruna though that's what you see in all the shipibo Mm -hmm. prints and paintings And that one is a very, to me, and I know that people have different experiences, to me that's a much more visual experience. Mm -hmm. It comes on with this buzzing and then there's the chrysanthemum of like this kaleidoscopic energy that you see that first descends on you in light and this kind of buzzing in your ears and this experience of this otherworldly reality and sometimes there's entities and sometimes there's places sometimes it's just sacred geometry Mm. of beauty that's indescribable Mm -hmm. and just and then it goes into this kind of floaty kind of zone for Mm. me where things are kind of moving through and different visions are there and this has probably been talked about perhaps a little bit more than the 5meo experience because Mm -hmm. the 5meo experience is absolutely the most ineffable experience Mm -hmm. that i've had Mm -hmm. for me i've had i've done it three times and i've had zero visuals associated Mm -hmm. with it it is the literal somatic experience of everything all creation Mm -hmm. all universe everything that could possibly be at the same time Mm -hmm. and the only thing i can liken it to is the moment of the most intense part of the orgasm Mm -hmm. where you have such a feeling of pleasure that Mm -hmm. it completely overwhelms the entirety Mm -hmm. of your body and it just lights up every single cell and you're just whoa that's why people make those strange faces and and have these experiences you know it's like ah, wow you know and but it extends for several minutes sometimes mm-hmm. 10 minutes or whatever and you're in this in this experience of experiencing everything which is really the only in my opinion accurate way to describe the divine it's mm-hmm. the all it's the, it's the one source it's the all light it's the it's every cry it's every scream of pleasure it's every moan it's every every sensation at the same time mm-hmm. throughout the entirety of your body and it's it's a lot to hold but man what a recalibration that is when you feel it
1: hmm yeah, it's a total reset. Total reset. It's a total reset. I mean, I, I lovingly call it the the shamanic car wash. Yeah. Even though, you know, that that seems to diminish. But the reality is that when you come back, you know, that your windshield is just totally clean because you've had the opportunity for maybe the first time in your life to not be you. And so many of us have a really hard time, even though we want to, and we try to see life, like I try all the time to see life, not as Maria, but as life itself. And I'm getting much better at that over the years. But an experience like this, there literally is no Maria. Mm-hmm. Right? There's only yep. life itself. And so what an amazing opportunity to experience that. Um, I will share that that as I walk this path more every day, you know, a decade down the line, that it is so important to have really strong uh, foundational tools to anchor these things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm seeing more and more and more over the years that if people don't have really strong um meditation, um you know whether it's tai chi qigong eastern philosophy practices of moving energy to support themselves to really anchor back the information um it just becomes it, it, it may stay in the disassociated place so i just want to share that off the bat because oh, this is becoming yeah. so popular now the right integration but, you have yeah. to
0: take really seriously Very and i've seriously. done all of the different medicines yeah and i remember the first time i did 5meo i didn't sleep for three days mm-hmm. i felt great but it was this place there was so much energy that moved through my body at that point that my whole system was just like electrified yes you know and i was just doing my best and i was journaling and i was writing and yeah. i was generally in a in a really beautiful spot but yeah. you know eventually the lack of sleep it was like okay and i gotta fucking sleep at yeah. this at some point here but it was you know i needed all of the tools in my tool belt to be able yes. to like integrate that yes. in a really in a really good way.
1: Yes, it's a very advanced medicine basically. And yeah. there's a reason that you know, your friend might offer you an NNDMT DMT pen, but my prayer is that they're not offering you five of me. You wanna do you this? Know? we
0: had a couple beers, so you wanna yeah. just go in here and you know, like yeah. and rip a, rip the God molecule oh, real please
1: quick. No. no yeah.
0: Please don't.
1: Yeah. My internal yeah. grandmother definitely cringes as these things again are becoming more popular and I I just I feel that it is mine to do to to be a voice to remind people of not just the, the sacredness and the sanctity, but also the the significance. You know, because you are going in and really, you know, your psyche in this moment is it's a really fragile and, and vulnerable place to be. Yeah. So it needs to be held with an extreme amount of care. So working with somebody who's a very experienced facilitator. Um, again, Mexico is a great place to go. The Legal, all of the things. You know, I love holding my retreats in Mexico because it just feels so, not just connected to the land where the medicine comes from, which is so important, um, but also... You know, it just feels the the expansiveness of of doing these things in a more, you know, legal setting really is important that for is the important, psyche. You don't right? want that
0: kind of that kind of worry and yes. concern that something else is gonna happen. That's gonna tilt your experience one way or the other. That's yes. why I've almost always done all of my ceremonies, ayahuasca ceremonies in Peru, Wachuma yeah. ceremonies in Peru, everywhere I go, I try to do it legally because I just don't want that stress. I yes. don't want that concern. But equally so, it doesn't matter, it doesn't mean that just because you're in a legal place you're going to be with the right facilitator mm-hmm. you know i watched with kind of real apprehension when i saw hamilton morris who exposed this on, on the vice series that he had uh hamilton's pharmacopoeia where he was down there at a river and you know i'm i'm not in any place to judge anybody mm-hmm. who's facilitating but nonetheless there was people thrashing around in a rushing river full of hard rocks yeah and i was like that doesn't seem like a place that you want to be doing something that's this heavy it seemed to result in in good results for hamilton and the people there but there's dangerous like physical obstacles in the way and that didn't quite seem like the exactly right environment to experience this either
1: yeah i mean the the indigenous ways of doing things are always to do medicine outdoors which i love you know Mm -hmm. that's well, I think you know that about me. I will always opt to, you know, have our ceremonies of any kind outside, whether it's wachuma, whether it's uh, ayahuasca or yahe, whether it's mushrooms, you know, combo. I love doing doing the medicine work outside because of the connection to the elements and how much that really enlivens and, and adds to the experience. Um, and, again, especially with the medicine, like the 5 meal or the Bufo is – you know, you're you're physically in that moment. You, your consciousness isn't another place, essentially, right? Mm. You are not aware of your physical body, and so somebody needs to be tending to your physical body. Yeah. And I call me, you know, uh, overly conservative. My very first concern is. For the physical body, I want to make sure that somebody's not going to accidentally crack their head on something, or choke in their own vomit. Or I know these are beautiful, you know, uh, conversations to have. Not everybody wants to have them, but they're really important. And, of course, um, you know, I don't want to go again too far down down a particular rabbit hole. But we were talking right before we started recording about the fact that. It is really important to do your due diligence when working with these medicines because they don't play well again with pharmaceuticals, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. If you have severe health issues like brain aneurysm or heart arrhythmia or even asthmas, you know, or severe allergies. These are things that you really, if you haven't done your due diligence, you know, you might not even know because you go to a facilitator and they don't ask you certain things. Yeah. So my prayer again is that people are becoming well enough educated that they know how to screen themselves <laughs> even before going to to kind of seek out a facilitator and to just share if you're working with somebody who's not asking about your your medical your mental your emotional history then i would i would just kind of put a little question mark there if that person is really somebody who's going to be able to hold you not only during the intensity of such an experience but after as we mm-hmm. shared the after really is Woof, that's the time yeah you know? that's where the real growth happens That's where the real growth happens mm-hmm.
0: there's you know talking to other facilitators you know before i actually was connected with you mm-hmm. they had you know let me know that in a certain number of cases you know people are actually receive the medicine in a in a kind of calm and and they accept it and and like i did and like Mm -hmm. i was able to do perhaps because of all the work that i've done or perhaps just my own innate nature Mm -hmm. where it's just like wow and it's laughter and it's love and it's Mm -hmm. it's this amazing experience where but other people they're they they called them the other facilitator called them like the thrashers <laughs> right where they're in the 5 MU experience they're mm-hmm. rolling around they're moving around and i've talked to people who've had this experience where they don't recall the thrashing part mm-hmm. but they were they've started on one side of the room they ended up on the other side mm-hmm. of the room and then the same facilitators said and then there's a certain small percentage of people who get aggressive mm-hmm. who are for the fighters mm-hmm. so there's like the people who are holding the medicine there's the people thrashing mm-hmm. around with the medicine and then people fighting the medicine but when i spoke to you about it the way that you've kind of learned to administer using some important principles like minimum effective dose Mm -hmm. setting the container you've really mitigated some of those responses but i'm sure you've had a little bit of a taste of all of these different you know kind of somatic reactions psychic reactions Mm -hmm. to this
1: yeah, it's the reason that I'm such a proponent for progressive dosing. Yeah. And again, that's something that certain facilitators would actually say, well, she's underdosing people, you know, and, and now robbing them of the experience to have the fullest
0: expression. Sounds like a very masculine thing to say. <laughs> Sounds like very like, throw them into the fucking fire, yes. see if they burn. Yes, yeah. which is
1: the way that, is, that this is kind of traditionally done. But again, coming from the background of being in the clinic and working with very traumatized people, you know, we had a mm. lot of, we had a program for war vets. And we were working with people who were, you know, such severe addictions that when you really got down to it, my goodness, the trauma that they experienced was was massive. Um, and so it's another reason why we paired it after the gain because the gain really offered that person that opportunity to fully surrender. You know, yeah. there's no running away when you're doing the Ibogaine. And there's, no getting and there's up not and a lot, lot of thrashing around because no, if you try not.
0: to thrash around an Ibogaine, you're just going to vomit yeah. incessantly. It's so it's so difficult of an experience to just kind of manage it like even standing up to go pee is like a fucking adventure exactly i need lots of help exactly (laughs) i I gotta pee and everything's buzzing in my eyes i can't really see and i want to puke all the time Mm -hmm. you know it's like and i know not everybody has that experience but it's fairly common in the ibogaine experience i liken it to being The difference between the two is ibogaine first of all it's 24 hours so Mm -hmm. it's a much longer duration sometimes 18 or whatever but it felt like i was like an ant on a tuning fork Mm -hmm. i was still aware that i was an ant and i was still aware of my identity construct and aware of all of this and i knew that i was the ant Mm -hmm. and then there was a tuning fork which was the ibogaine that was just smashing and Mm -hmm. vibrating and everything was just shaking and i was in there just shaking like whoa for a long time Mm -hmm. and there's a beautiful mental clarity and a ton of growth and healing that happen in that and then when the five meo experience is much shorter duration but you're no longer the ant on the tuning fork you're the tuning fork Mm -hmm. it's like you are the tuning fork that's it like you are one you're one with everything around there's no ant and tuning fork it's like there's the everything Mm -hmm and that's it and yeah. it's a far different it's a far different thing
1: it is very very different um just yeah circling back though the ibogaine is the, a derivative of iboga you know iboga essentially puts you into a or i should say an, an extract right and then compound mm. of iboga which is the root bark from africa um, but it puts your body into a healing coma and you know, actually the best description i've ever heard was dr dan Ingle, our mm. dear brother saying that it feels like you are being steamrolled and on a jackhammer at the same time. Because as you were saying, the vibration, you know, it's a stimulant. So the the vibration is so profound, but your body is literally in a healing coma, puts you into what we call kind of an ectastic state. So your motor skills are very, very challenged, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's very, you need help to go to the bathroom. And so Again, that's such a place of forced surrender for so long mm-hmm. that literally even if you tried to fight, there's just nothing to do. And so the surrender is really deep and really profound. Yeah. And I and I use that you know, or, or share that in correlation to just, again, circling back to what you were asking about the people that are really moving a lot in the 5MEO experience is I do find that that is first and foremost for people that don't really have a lot of experience in the... Um, either in the shamanic world or or otherwise of true surrender of the ego mm-hmm. where the ego can literally just lay down and feel fully safe no matter what's happening and so those of us who have put ourselves into you know hundreds or however many different initiations that we've been in where there literally is nothing you can do you know yeah. you're laying there and you're receiving and that's it <laughs> mm-hmm. and so it, it's it makes sense that that you and i might in our experiences relax and release much quicker than people who the ego is actually still very on edge of like what is this you know is it gonna kill me <laughs> is it, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. what's happening here And it,
0: it temporarily will yeah. obliterate the ego yes. so if as as we're identified as our ego as our identity self as the temporal manifestation of our mind interacting with our body and interacting with consciousness as we're identified with that entity that entity is temporarily going offline yes. it's dying it feels yes. like it's dying and if you're not comfortable with the death of that for a moment you know hopefully you have the awareness that it will come back cuz It certainly will. It certainly certainly will. will. Mm -hmm. But at that moment, that thrashing might be like, "Oh no, I'm not. I'm not fucking checking out of here. Like, I exist. I am real. And if I let go, I'm gonna die."
1: Exactly. And we both know that not everybody's fully ready (laughs) for this experience, right? Which is why I say, and it's a, it's an advanced medicine, and also why I've, I've been fine. You know, again, even in the clinic, we had times where, for example, with the addiction program, we for a little while had a program for the parents, which these were also. Not people that were psychonauts or you know traveling around the world to do indigenous ceremonies. These were people who really were seriously at the end of the line, you know, needing support mm-hmm. for a very serious addiction. Um, and so, oftentimes, if they were young people, their parents again, this was brand new territory for them, and they are at the end of the end of the end of options, right? Yeah. So much so that they're willing to send their children down to who knows where Tijuana, you know, to a clinic that all kinds of in their minds crazy things could happen. And so they oftentimes would come to a company to drop the um, you know, their children off. And, and I had an opportunity to work with those parents that again have never heard of any of this. Right. <laughs> never done an experience before. And that was where, you know, these um the importance of of, of the progressive dosing I found of course as i was sharing for the war vets and for the you know people with the trauma themselves but also for people that are just really brand new yeah. and their ego is like not not aware of the other levels of reality, which I was sharing a little bit with you um, about the book that I've been reading, which I'm just going to touch on for a second. But it's called The Goddess and the Shaman, which is a very kind of fluffy name. But Mm -hmm. it was written by a woman um, who has a PhD in psychology and social ecology. And she actually wrote this book as her dissertation. And it was her opportunity to kind of play with the differences and interplays between orthodox psychology and what she calls magical psychology and she essentially says that there's a moment for most people uh diff- it happens in different different levels but where we realize that there's a lot more happening here than we previously thought you know that the 3d world is only one little teeny tiny part mm-hmm. And when we have that moment, that kind of collision where we have to reconcile, she calls it the the meeting of the intellectual mind and the intuition, which is connected to the higher mind. Um, and she says that there's a moment there where you have ontological shock or a moment of uh, psychological crisis of confidence, which I yeah, love But sure. <laughs> she says it that way. Psychological crisis of confidence, where all of a sudden you're like, oh no, the ground just left from under my feet and i'm not really sure this is brand new terrain and again we all have little teeny tiny bits or massive experiences like this whether on medicine or not on medicine throughout our lifetime maybe i shouldn't say all but many of us who are having these conversations and we want to sometimes Walk people there. I prefer, let me just say this. And maybe this is just my very, you know, feminine way of doing things. I I really value grace. (laughs) Like we can walk people there, you know, versus again sledgehammer their psyche into forcing them to see, you know, the fact that that there's more happening here. Maybe we can allow their psyche to bloom into, you know, taking the baby steps that they need so that there is really strong integration because last thing I will share is people often, you know, well, I like to say there are no shortcuts. Even if you're doing medicine work and you're here on the mountain and you are launched up here to look over the mountain, you know, you're going to come back. You might, you know, come back again a step or two Mm -hmm. above, but the reality is you still need to walk yourself up that mountain. And you just
0: know what the top of the mountain is, is like. So it's like you have a roadmap at that point. Yeah. I think one of the issues that people have is it's because of the criminalization Mm -hmm. of psychedelic medicine if you do find the right facilitator mm. find the right window of time find the right place mm. save up your money go out for this experience you want to make sure you have a real experience <laughs> you know and i think the shamans know that they're like well they didn't come all the way down yeah. travel you know 14 hours to get here to a or yes. get up wherever they are and you know they may not have another chance to do this for many years mm-hmm. so i think you know because i know the disappointment of many people who have gone to do yeah. ayahuasca and it's been a mild experience and of course as you know someone like myself knows that those are sometimes the most important experiences you have where just whatever you experience is unpacked later and you eventually realize like how beneficial it was but in the moment there's that disappointment Mm -hmm. and i think it's really important for the shaman to know like okay like that's okay yes you know and i think the great shamans all do yes but there's also that tendency like you want happy customers (laughs) you want people to there's this is a business too you know they want people to go back home and say like wow it was amazing And I've seen that be like an area where a lot of people trip up. It's like they overdo it because they want people to have the experience. Yeah. When that experience may not be the right experience for them.
1: Exactly. And that's another brings us back to making sure we're, you know we're working with people that are deeply grounded themselves and their why of why they're doing this yeah. you know and it's it can't be for the money and it can't be for the glory because it's only going to cause problems right, right. so when you meet somebody which i do encourage the best of our ability for people to meet their their facilitators or practitioners before um, really feeling like how do i feel with this person does this person feel deeply grounded and connected to their truth of why they're doing this
0: and i really encourage people if sometimes you won't get that chance because they're somewhere in a faraway land Mm -hmm. and if you get there and it doesn't feel yeah. right, discern the difference between your own fear and resistance because yeah. you will have fear and resistance yes. on the way. You know, 100%. that's gonna be totally normal. But if you really sense something that's off, yeah, pull out. Yes, You know, like back out, there'll be another time, like live to fight another day as the yes. saying goes, but like live to surrender another day to another situation. And I think that's really important as well. Yes. It's like if you feel those red flags, And I've talked to some people who are right there at the Mm -hmm. moment, you know, where like the opening ceremony is there Mm -hmm. and they've said, I need a minute. And they've called me and they're like, look, this, this feels a little weird. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm sensing. I'm like, pull out. A
1: hundred percent. Like
0: you'll find another spot. A hundred percent. find another way. 100%.
1: 100%. Yeah, we all are at this point, you know, so geared towards the climax, towards the like yeah, really sure. big fireworks. And this is why, you know, more and more in these conversations, I want to be the voice of like the unsexy part, <laughs> yes. which is the opposite of the fireworks is the fact that whatever that experience is, is only going to be 1% of the entire journey of your life. You know, mm. there is so many other ways to go kind of venture up the same mountain. and and you are never going to be hurt basically by having more preparation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Sure. So if it's a no no. It may I,
0: cost you a little money on the trip. What, yeah, and exactly. you can sit there and hold space in the ceremony yes. and, and do all the different things. But absolutely. it's the right decision. Yes,
1: absolutely. And actually this does bring us to a little topic that I was sharing that I'm I'm excited to to touch on is, is this decriminalized movement within mm-hmm. the United States. Because I do feel like, you know, yes. We we do need to you know have very experienced facilitators for the the big you know the ayahuascas and the five mios and these things. But um, with the more potentially gentle medicines that you can build with yourself, like mushrooms, uh, I'm really excited for this kind of movement no within the U. S. where people have access, you know, and and freedom and ability to grow their own medicines and to commune or, or possess their own medicines for their own spiritual growth. Again going low and slow as we say and building and like building that relationship and taking time. But I think this is gonna allow a lot more people access, you know, people who don't have the money, as we said, to to mm-hmm. fly to some other exotic part of the world and do a really big retreat. Um, and it's going to allow people who maybe are again not even called to do really big doses, but to work with medicines in in small micro dosing, let's say, or mini dosing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just really excited about this wave of decriminalize.
0: Yeah, I mean, it mm-hmm. seems like that's the that's definitely the way that is going to heal the most people. As mm-hmm. I look out on the with hope towards the future, and I think there's a lot of. Different social and psychological forces mm-hmm. at work, also facilitating healing. But these medicines are the the sleeping giant, mm-hmm. you know, that really have the potential to make massive mm-hmm. shifts. So, you know, I'm just incredibly excited about that. And I think about when I had the podcast, and I was obviously a long standing friendship with Bodie Miller. Mm-hmm. His first experience with mushrooms were not buying them from a dealer. He was mm-hmm. young, still, you know, in his in his youth, and he would just know that if it rained at a certain time of year there in the cow patties there would be these mushrooms that would grow and he could just pick them and then have a cap or have a stem and then figure some things out and grab a friend and and that that kind of relationship you know has really resulted in for him being one of the most conscious and wise individuals that i'd met is just he established that relationship and respect from an early age and was able to like, okay, I know what this is. I know what these tools are.
1: From their natural source, you know? And again, I know you know this about me, but maybe listeners don't, that even though I was working in an ibogaine clinic because of certain skills that I have, my proclivities, you know, my natural, um, the medicines that i work with are all straight from the earth you know mm. i want to be able to see you know the medicine growing and then you know be with it if if there is even a process sometimes there isn't like you said sometimes it's literally like you can take that little mushroom of course now make sure that you make sure it's are the right well mushroom. versed in <laughs> yeah, mushrooms yeah, sure. let's really give that caveat yeah. here right because Don't there be are an
0: experimental mycologist yes it's definitely important
1: mushrooms. that you can identify your mushrooms if you're taking them from the wild but again, that, that connection with the earth, because they're literally there, that mycelium is actually connected to the entire forest, right? It mm-hmm. actually is communicating with the trees and communicating with, you know, knows where the water is. And I'm um, really excited for people to learn more about the mycelium and the intelligence and how we also mimic our neurons. And uh, a lot of what I would even consider our spidey senses of mycelium that are connecting us all.
0: The documentary fantastic fungi mm. uh check that ryan make sure that i got the name yes. right but that's the name yes unbelievable documentary yeah it really shows mm. like how connected these mushrooms are actually yeah. and it'll really i encourage people to watch it if you get the chance it'll really blow your mind and really understanding what this medicine really is interestingly i have a personal question uh-huh. so mushrooms have been a constant ally for me mm-hmm. since my first vision quest when i was 18 years old mm-hmm. i went off in the mountains and a shaman facilitated mushroom journey mm-hmm. and they've been a constant ally. That's 21 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And recently in the last three months or so, my experiences with mushrooms have been incredibly somatically unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Psychologically, I'm typically fine. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing like I'm wrestling with, or it's not like I'm freaking out, mm-hmm. but it's just so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't understand what's going on. I'm like you're my buddy. Like, Aww. why are you playing rough with me, buddy? <laughs> you know, like I don't understand. We had such a good relationship. And I know it's still good, but like yeah. you're really like playing rough. This is rough housing over here.
1: Uh-huh. Well, I think it's just like anything else, just what comes off the top of my head is our bodies know what they want and what they don't want. Yeah. You know, and sometimes our mind wants something that the body's letting you know. Maybe I'm complete for yeah. this moment. You yeah. know, and maybe there's another medicine. Or again, maybe there's no medicine. During this time, for example, that there's been so much Stress in the air of, you know the quarantine and all all of the things that are yeah. really, really alive in the collective consciousness. There's been so much stress for people, their nervous systems are so on edge. Um, I don't think it's been an amazing time for doing medicine. Like I have actually been really suggesting to people, take a break. you know, again, mm-hmm. really ground, focus on calming, your nervous system whatever that means you know wrap yourself in your weighted blanket <laughs> you know yeah, for sure. truly like all of these different ways that we have to calm our nervous systems because when we're really yeah. frayed and on edge like that it's not always the best time
0: yeah like breathing and cold plunging yes. have been so productive mm-hmm. during this time yeah. and then the medicine journeys that i've attempted you know and has been in the last three months yeah. since the quarantine and everything have just been really difficult it's yeah. almost like i'm feeling the stress of the yes. collective or some it's been a marked distinction. I think it's it's good for you to point that out because yeah. I think oftentimes you think, oh well, that's happening out there, and I'm here, but that's just an illusion as just well. Like illusion. we are wildly connected, just like the mushrooms are connected to the whole forest. We're connected to the collective in ways that we do not really understand, but can only sense and feel.
1: A hundred percent, and I think that's part of our collective evolution. Is really realizing and getting real with ourselves mm-hmm. of how connected we are yeah because it's it is easy quote-unquote to think like oh i'm fine everything in my immediate sphere is good but things over there that's not mine
0: yeah it's yours too it's yours too <laughs> it really is i yeah. mean
1: i i my personal beliefs at least i will say i don't what I'll ever like to say the truth is or the reality is for the for the whole, but, my belief is that we are also inextricably connected, that if there is disease happening in one part of the organism of the mind of the collective, there's some part of us that is diseased as well. And it would behoove us not only for our own health, but for the health of the whole, which again is us, right? I really come from the standpoint of, like you might be an eyeball cell and I might be a liver cell, but we're part of one greater organism. It's not just me, this is this is the organism, you know? this mm-hmm. is, There's a whole organism of humanity and beyond yeah. that we are a part of. And the, the way that we identify a healthy body, for example, is that all of the cells are communicating Because they understand, like, I need to be doing my job well so that these other organ and these other cells can do their job well. And it's in that um, communication, in that collaboration, in that coherence that there is is, uh, health and we are no different.
0: So I want to circle back to Mm kind of where we started and there's you know an understanding that is relatively new to me but i'm feeling it and Mm -hmm. experiencing it and that's typically the way i go like i had no understanding of any spiritual truths or any ideas about what god was or what my soul was i actually just threw all of that away i was like this everything i've heard so far sounds like nonsense but then i did my first journey and i was Mm -hmm. like okay there's something here and i've kind of built my understanding first on experience and then talking to people and understanding what other people have said about it not Mm -hmm. only currently but for thousands of years in the spiritual texts and the works and the philosophies Mm -hmm. and the books so this understanding of sacred union Mm. and this this thing that i'm experiencing now which is kind of what we alluded to before our codes unlocking Mm -hmm. i mean i've experienced healing that was formerly impossible that Mm -hmm. happened almost like effortlessly like Mm -hmm. one of those things being that i was using uh, Xanax to fall asleep for about three years. Mm-hmm. And then I did a little ceremony with Vilana, and that was it. Mm. Done. April 26th was the last day, and that was it. And that's not even medically advisable yeah. to get off benzos cold turkey like that. But I just knew that I had the support and everything was aligned. And energetically, it was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. I'm ready. And I was able to do it. Now that formerly impossible thing was possible in the container of this sacred union where i felt fully met and fully received by the feminine in such a way and she's experienced the same thing different you know past sexual traumas Mm -hmm. and experiences that she's had and different other ways that this my presence you know as showing up in a in radical love and Mm -hmm. and providing the containers allowed her to heal in different ways and also have an amazing time and a lot of fun Mm -hmm. and all the other things. What's your understanding of this idea of sacred union?
1: It's another example of so without, so within in my Mm -hmm. book. You know, we all, there's something called the Heros Gamos, which essentially is those kind of two snakes of the helix of the masculine and the feminine that are within us that also symbolize the DNA and the kundalini and all of this. And so we are only fully healthy, whole, and healed when we are aware, when we're fully integrated, all parts of ourselves. And that is the integration, includes the integration of our internal masculine and feminine. And oftentimes when we're born into a very particular female body male body it is the concept makes sense of of you know you for you for example connection with the divine feminine and for me connection with the divine masculine and there's a lot of work that can be done internally and oftentimes i find it's not until like a real mirror like that person where you look and you're like oh wow you're like a limb that I didn't even know that I was missing, right? And again, not the like you complete me, but wow, like you, we fit together. There's Mm -hmm. something like, we came, you know, oftentimes we hear the uh, experience for for very strong soulmates, if we want to call that, coming together. It's like you all of a sudden realize, oh, I think we set we, we set this up before. You know? For sure. That we were going to do for this sure. and now. And we've maybe yeah. done it
0: a few times exactly. in the past. It's not every <laughs> exactly. time, you know?
1: Exactly. So that moment of like, okay, you... You, you have something here. You know, you have something for me. And it's that reflection, again, like through your connection with her, when you're looking in her eyes, when you're making love or, or whatever, just even sitting, sitting with her, you're getting to see, feel, touch, taste, experience the divine feminine mm-hmm. in all of her healing glory. And that is the mirror and the reminder of that internal part of you. So she's just essentially that access point that you have to always connect to your internal divine feminine and to feel xyz whatever it is that she evokes in you and vice versa
0: yeah that's you know absolutely the experience i've had and what's interesting is for people who haven't had that experience they're looking at because this has moved very fast in some ways it hasn't because i've known her for four and a half years and cultivated a deep friendship and an alliance and a kind of spiritual connection sat in ceremony together down Mm -hmm. in peru a couple times and in different you know different situations but once we actually, you know, were able to freely see each other and be with each other, I actually bought the engagement ring before we even had sex. I was like, I, I'm just certain. I was fairly confident by she's an amazing dancer and her sensuality is all that. I was fairly confident it was going to go well. You know, I didn't think it was a huge gamble, <laughs> but nonetheless, like it's a little bit bold. Like mm-hmm. I purchased the ring on you know April 10th and on April mm-hmm. 24th I proposed to her, and somewhere in the middle between that we were intimate and i suppose there was some part of me that was like oh good i'm glad that i'm glad that worked out so well but uh but it was just this knowing and it seems super fast for everybody like why are you moving so fast what why slow down and i was like it's not that i'm moving fast i just know and actually i'm catching up i'm catching up to what already is and what feels like has been yes forever like this has been the other the other whole sphere that superimposes in all of the empty spaces that i have mm-hmm. to activate all of my other particles that are moving around there we're both these spheres that just fit in the voids that we've had and then just electrify and illuminate one even greater whole
1: absolutely which is why i love that as i was mentioning in the book dr jane kent says that the intuition is essentially human contact with the higher mind mm-hmm. so that intuition or that part of you that just knows it's just an isness even while everybody else has their narratives and their stories about it's too fast or it's this or it's that there's a part of us that's like an isness just like you have your two arms and your two legs right now thank goodness right Mm -hmm. it's just an isness okay this is the woman that i love and i'm gonna marry her because xyz you know this is just how it is and i'm so grateful that you have that connection to the higher mind that you don't have to question, you know, right. go back and forth. And as you know, and you might have your is right now, but there's a part of you that also knows, we don't know what's going to happen in the future.
0: That's true. Right?
1: So the isness of right now is that right now, this is what's true. And let's see if that's true in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people also worry or feel that something as big as marriage, for example, is, oh, it should only be it's a forever thing right and i love actually uh, friends recently that wrote their vows and they very particularly in their vows did not put till death do us part
0: Mm -hmm. and the idea of parting is also a weird thing too (laughs) like because there's so many there's so much of this kind of contentious divorce Mm -hmm. where people wait till they absolutely resent each other absolutely hate each other maybe Mm -hmm. never saw each other in the first place and we're just kind of on this this honeymoon you know energy of like ah everything's good everything's good everything's good like fuck it's not good and then they but they wait and then they compound it i mean the idea of certainly the reality that we could be called to a different life maybe i'm who knows i could be called to a monastic life or so she could or she Mm -hmm. could either anything could happen you know but the idea of us parting Mm -hmm. is also like what yeah total misnomer yeah yeah, yeah. that's not real like we'll always be a part of each other's life because there's no way we could love this deeply and feel this and not have just the most immense gratitude for everything that we experience
1: yes and part of your journey i'm also just so proud and in awe of you and and the the isness of commitment for you right now, this mm-hmm. level of commitment of having this particular container. You know, we use that word often, but it literally means that there's something here that's for us. <laughs> so you and Vailana in this moment have a very strong container yeah. of marriage and monogamy or you know i don't know all the details all that, but you know, all that, <laughs> i'm sure yeah. more you know but that's that is a really solid it's like you're rowing down the river right now in a really solid boat and that's amazing because now there's endless amount of adventures that you don't have to be thinking all the time you know oh is it this is it that da, da, da. okay you're just clear that for now this is the shape the form and the container and and now the the future is ripe with infinite possibilities
0: no doubt Mm -hmm. so before we close here i want to touch on cultivating the divine feminine within Mm -hmm. because i think sometimes we have the false idea that well you only have the divine feminine if you're a woman Mm -hmm. you know which is certainly not the case we each have both feminine and masculine qualities and i've certainly experienced women who are less feminine than Mm -hmm. me even and i'm pretty masculine (laughs) by my natural proclivity Mm -hmm. but nonetheless like any 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 sex can Mm -hmm. be involved in a you know kind of unsupported and uh, unflowered aspect of both femininity or masculinity Mm -hmm. but particularly the femininity which is something that obviously you just you exude off of Mm -hmm. and and it's very clear that Mm -hmm. you're deeply connected to the divine feminine what are some of the ways that you encourage people to get in touch male or female with that innate feminine nature?
1: Time in nature. (laughs)
0: Time in nature. (laughs)
1: Innate feminine nature, time in nature. Uh Yeah, in most indigenous traditions and ancient cultures, the the earth is, a goddess, essentially. The mother. Yes, she's the mother. And she is so abundant. And to be able to witness her and the way that she moves and the way that she grows and the way that her water flows, there's just so many kind of mirrorings, like the biomimicry of our internal feminine with the way that nature nature is. Mm -hmm. And I also don't like to create any certain ways that it should be because I feel especially for, you know, the men in the world, like you like to, there's, it's important to feel connected to your masculine. And the fear is that the connection to the feminine is going to be, what is it going to be, weak? It's going to be wimpy. <laughs> it's going to be, you know, uh, wishy-washy and all of these things. The true feminine is unconditional love.
0: hmm which is about as sturdy and strong as exactly. any force in the exactly. universe.
1: Exactly. It's like gravity. I mean, I know, the as you, you shared and most people share with me, that they experience my femininity very strongly and they experience that I am one of the most consistent people they know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like gravity. I'm here. I love you. I've got you. <laughs> I see you. Can't scare me. <laughs> I'm going to be here tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Yeah, it's a consistency. um, But again, it is love. And it is um, this ability I find to be in the unknown. You know, the masculine again, really masculine part of us really wants to know things. It wants to categorize them, it wants to identify them, it wants to put them in boxes. Yeah, there's a really funny YouTube video that shows the difference between the male and the female brain. And the male brain is just there's a little box for everything, and Mm -hmm. we don't like the boxes to touch. (laughs) (laughs) And the female brain is essentially it's one big everything box, and everything is connected. So again, that part of ourselves that is feels safe to know that we are so deeply connected to the everything, in particular, the mystery, meaning it's okay to not know to be in the void, to be in the softness of like we don't have to hold it together all the time because I believe and many of us believe that there's something, right? There's some force (laughs) that is holding this whole thing together. We actually don't always have to be that thing. We can, again, relax, surrender. This is one of the things the medicines teach us. If I could take a deep breath and fully surrender, everything's gonna be okay. Everything will be taken care of. I can allow myself to be held. And so again, this time in nature, being spending time with somebody who it it really expresses the divine feminine, whether it is your perfect counterpart like you have in Vailana, whether it is literally your mother or your sister or a woman that you know, again, or it could be a man who really knows how to hold another person not necessarily physically could be but energetically hold the totality of who you are in non-judgment you know and in deep care and in deep presence that to me is the cultivation of the divine feminine that we really could use more of in this world
0: absolutely i think that's uh, one of the things as we look look throughout and you know our culture is is that understanding of what that is and mm. also the misnomers and misunderstandings of what that you know, what that feminine energy is mm-hmm. and uh i think all too often when things get challenging this is a great thing that the medicine teaches when things get challenging the more you resist you know that challenge the harder it is the more you surrender with faith mm-hmm. and just receive whatever that thing is coming up mm-hmm the easier the smoother the more it works itself out the more that you can see it from a different perspective and there's always going to be a time for action and a time for doing and a time yes. for moving through and cutting through life with your proverbial male machete mm-hmm. and just hacking your way like i'm full of believer in that you know like there will be a time where you have to go and fight and like find you know find courage in the face of your fear and move forward in these mm-hmm. difficult situations But nonetheless, like that skill of being able to surrender and accept and Mm -hmm. love and love all of the different outcomes unconditionally. Yeah. That's the that's the mastery.
1: Yes. And there's a natural rhythm. I yeah. do really feel there's a natural rhythm when we're in deep trust, that I, I use that kind of even physical to show like, okay, you can rest into the feminine for a second, you can pause, you can be in that void and that mystery and that kind of looking around and making sure that everything is is working. And then you have the masculine penetrative energy where you're moving forward and then you pause and you move forward and you pause and mm-hmm. again this is just very natural rhythms of the breath just like the heart pumping just like the lungs opening and closing just like the contractions of birth you know to trust in that rhythm it's yeah. really important
0: i think it's interesting and you know for the last eight years through the building of on it which is uh you know and we're talking archetypically here not mm. talking about what a man does or what a woman does again mm-hmm. the archetypically masculine tendency in the necessity for building a company like Mm -hmm. mine is there's a lot of masculine things that you have to do there's a lot of ways in which you have to construct and build and create systems and and kind of figure things out and and i've been in that process and then also podcasts and books and Mm -hmm. newsletters and all of these different creation processes and i'm definitely feeling the call to like okay now's a good season to mm-hmm. pause for a little while yeah i did get myself you know in a situation where i'm writing another book with a deadline so i'm like okay okay pause mm-hmm. after that i suppose yeah. but in the meantime like the necessity to support myself with even more yin practices yes like, more and as many as i can possibly get it's the only thing that's going to keep give me the fuel to actually keep going because running off fumes and strength yeah. and will and resolve you know is is no longer cutting it you know and yeah. so now like i have to ground myself i have to spend that time in nature walk out to the beach put my you know feet in the feet in the water like i did yesterday and then the breath work is becoming almost daily now mm-hmm. and all of these practices just to give me the strength to carry through and i know that after this book is done okay yes then i'm um, I'm gonna really take the season to be like
1: yeah all right
0: it's time for a big buffo style <laughs> hibernation in the mother
1: here yeah you've done so much output over the years and you created so much and now the time for the input and the time for the receiving that's another really feminine quality that the medicines teach us is the ability to receive and that's the place where we get really fresh new not just energy and life force but ideas Mm -hmm. so that's a really powerful place for innovation Again, when we're forcing and we're doing and we're kind of pushing, we're, we're meeting a, a goal or a deadline, but it's in that moment of the nothingness that new information can come through. Yep. And so that's going to really influence the, the whole next chapter of your output.
0: There we go. Mm-hmm. Where can people tap into you and, and hear more of what you have to say?
1: Mm, well, my website is uh, sacredearthwarriors.com. And there we share a lot about the uh, environmental work we do, the indigenous rights. You know, I'm a big stand for ethical, sustainable, regenerative ways of working with the medicines, taking care of the indigenous, taking care of the earth. So, sacredearthwarriors.com. And then that's also my Instagram, is MariaTeresaChavez, Chavez, Sacred Earth mm-hmm.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much, love. <laughs> Thank this you. This was amazing. So good to I be appreciate here. Appreciate you so much. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Goodbye, love. Thanks for tuning in to myself and Maria. I look forward to talking to you again next week and introducing you to my wife, Vilana.